0: Yes, sir. It is out the one and only Mark Crawford Owens, and this is Boom or Bus. Today, I am blessed and honored to have the one and only QB One in our hearts, Mark Schofield, here with us. How are you feeling today, Mark?
1: I'm doing well, Mark. It is an honor to be here. I was so excited when you reached out about me coming on. Uh, it's been far too long since we've chatted on a show. Uh, I'm really excited to dive into these QBs with you. It's a fun quarterback class. Um, we're doing this, you know, we're doing this on Thursday. Bryce Young just had his pro day. You know, CJ Stroud was yesterday. We're going to get Levis and Richardson over the weekend. So we're getting close to the draft. It's a fun quarterback class, and I'm really excited to be here. Really excited to dive in.
0: So a little bit before we dive in, I'm sorry I'm splashing this on you a little. No worries. I ask you this. But something I like to give to my guests, or I like to ask my guests before they come on, is, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. I sent it over to you. But I, I released a piece not too long ago about what, what made me want to get into the whole entails of scouting, where all that came from. And, I mean, having you on, like, as I said before, QB1 in our hearts, someone who's takes I take very highly, especially in terms of quarterback play. How did you... What made you get into the the realm of scouting? And how did you get so pulled in in the whole quarterback?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the genesis of it was the the entire career change of mine. I mean, I was a lawyer in the D.C. area for like 10 years. Um, And around 2014 or so, I realized I needed to do something different. It just wasn't working for me. And so I stepped away from practicing law actively. And I was like looking for something new and started – writing about football just kind of as a hobby with some people and it just grew from there. Um, I was lucky. I had a number of sort of breaks along the way, getting in touch with people like, you know, Matt Waldman, Doug Farrar, Michael Kist, um, Kist and I did a couple of different podcasts together. Um, but really the sort of scout inside of it was, you know, somebody I know named Dan Hatman, who was a scout with the giants with a scout with the Eagles. Um, and, you know, was part of the team that put together the dream team, honestly. And he now teaches a, a program, has a program that he calls the Scouting Academy, where he tries to teach people that are interested in football scouting, whether the NFL side, the college side, whatever it is, or coaching or even on the media side, you know how it is that team's do it, how it is a team's go about evaluating talent, evaluating players, writing reports, the whole process so I got to know Dan and I actually took a semester of the scouting Academy that really sort of focused me on how NFL teams evaluate prospects, how they evaluate talent, how they use all the data. And that really sort of honed my eyes on, you know, particularly the quarterback position, but really, you know, offensive, defensive, both sides of the ball. Um, but it was the career change that was sort of the prompt for it. The idea that, look, look, this being a lawyer thing not working for me, nah, it's no good. Um, and I got a bunch of breaks along the way, and now I'm at you know SB Nation full time, where I get to do this and more. But it, it was really sort of that scouting academy program, which I would highly recommend to people if they're interested in going down that path, whether it's coaching, scouting, even on the media side, because you do learn a ton.
0: Honestly, I'm 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 very glad you said that because I per- I, I also. I had the honor and pleasure of taking the scouting academy, man. And Dan, as you said, wonderful man. He easily spoke, talked me into it because I remember it was one day I sent him an email and I told him I had interest in it. And I just, I kind of like you said, I was at a point in life where, I mean, I I want to take this leap. It's something that I want to do, but I'm not quite sure how it would go for me or if it's even right for me to do it. Just the conversations me and him had. The way he put basically put everything to me, it was
1: yeah. And, a lot and of things he is such a great person. Like he will go to bat for you, left right, you know, as many times as he can. He wants to see people succeed. Like his whole purpose in life is to put other people in positions to be successful. I mean, I I think the world of Dan. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had a great experience with it. You know, he's been a mentor to me for a long time now. He's been a friend to me for a long time now. And I absolutely think the world will him.
0: Same here, man. And just, just you mentioning that, just it kind of reminded me of what I put in the article. It kind of made me get back to my roots here. I appreciate, I really appreciate you for mentioning that, man. Cause it's like, I think back to the first week, honestly, it's the first week of the Scouting Academy listening to Dan Hatman, Jerry Angelo, Lewis Raddick, all of the good things they had to speak. And I remember a lot of things that they thoroughly spoke about and how a lot of these things generally apply in particularly when you scout in the quarterback position right now i remember when the, we got to the lesson with lewis riddick and basically how he put it, it it's more so it's like it was it's always kind of like the reading aspect every we, it, reading is fundamental who what when where why how and it's always who are you scouting What are you looking for? Like what kind of player, what kind of prospect is this that you have in hand? When, as in the situational football, third down, fourth quarter, two minute drill, things of that nature. And you got where are they on the road? Are they at home? What's the, what's the surroundings? And then of course the why, the scheme, the environment, the coaches, the play style, level, competition, things of that nature. So just, the impact that the scouting academy had on had on me personally is is massive and i, I give as much credit to it as, as i can yeah
1: i mean you know, similarly like the two lessons that i pulled from it that stick with me the most one is the idea of context right like mm-hmm. you know we look at these players and sometimes we tend to just put blinders on and look at a play in the vacuum but we don't Take a step back and sort of like you just said, Markwell, like the situation, the environment, the weather, like all the surrounding context that happens outside of just that one particular snap to whistle. Um, so I think context is always important, something I always keep in mind. But the other is the idea of tell me what he can do, right? Like we get so wrapped up in on Twitter elsewhere, you know, crushing a guy saying he can't do X, Y, and Z or whatever. That's easy. Dan has a great story about, you know, Dave Gettleman, you know, telling him early in his scouting career like, crushing a guy is easy. Saying, you know, he can't do X, Y, and Z is easy. Tell me what he can do. Now, maybe look, if it's a guy that's a fringe draftable prospect, more likely UDFA, the list is short, right? But find what he can do, find what a player can do, and maybe that will still work for us and it won't work for another team. And so that idea of, What a guy can do, what a player can do, is one of the other huge lessons that I learned that I I take with me all the way.
0: And um, again, that just leads me back to another one of the conversations I had with Dan, where going into the Scouting Academy, I always had a particular idea where it was I'm scouting players to see who fits what scheme. And Dan had to basically sit me down and say, hey, here, we're not necessarily scouting for a scheme, kind of like you said." Just tell me what the player can do. We're just here to tell you what the player can do. When we get in that room with the rooms with those guys, all we want them to know is hey, this player can do this in this situation in our offense because telling them what they can't do isn't really helping our case. Right. So
1: yeah, it's a great program.
0: Definitely a great program, man. But getting into some of these quarterbacks a little, man. <sighs> what a class, man. What a start. What a, where to start? It's it's easy to sit and start at the top with a, a, a what many would consider Bryce Young, who I would consider a polarizing prospect in himself. Probably not the most polarizing. We'll get to that guy a little later on, but polarizing because like when I watch Bryce, it the first thing I put on my report when I watch Bryce Young is he, he's he's a pure quarterback. He plays the quarterback position the way it should be played. Like if Bryce Young was 6'3, 225 pounds, we wouldn't be having conversations about who was CB1 or I mean I mean quarterback one, or anything of that nature. But the height, the, the height definitely plays a factor. I mean, it was more in this few share games where I question his ability to handle the pressure, not necessarily handle pressure as in, hey. The blitz is coming do you know where your hot reads at where you going with the ball or who's supposed to be where you could do that but now you got two or three extra defenders in your face that's not supposed to be there and i've seen too many reps of him like jumping trying to throw the ball or something but where it wasn't ideal but then you you get to the what some people would call the splash plays where you you watch him and he's he plays the, the quarterback position like a point guard, man. I'm yes. pretty sure all of us have heard that narrative way too long, and it's easy to see when you when you watch him. I feel like he has complete control of the offense, especially in the short game area, where he understands, like I said, who's supposed to be there, when they're supposed to be there, why, and he he can absolutely terrorize the defense. Probably makes sense why they ran as much RPO as they did. I was surprised to see that.
1: Yeah. yeah no he's he's a great quarterback prospect i mean there's a lot that you said that is 100 accurate you know the way he plays the position the splash plays that he can make you know there are moments where multiple points of pressure unexpected pressure can you know cause a problem for him that that happens with a lot of quarterbacks um that doesn't really concern me i mean really look like you said if he's 6'3 225 it's probably, you know, it's probably a lot easier for a general manager to turn in the card with him, with the first overall pick. I, I think the height, the frame, it's going to be a point of discussion in the rooms as we get closer to the draft. Now, the fact that he came in at five ten and an eight, 204. yeah, you know, the two oh four is what it is, right? Because he didn't weigh in at his pro day because he's probably not two oh four anymore. But it at least checks the box, right? So a general manager can feel all right. He can at least put some weight on. Maybe if he's not there full-time right now, he can get there. So I think that part of it helped him. You know, the height, there are moments you can see it, like looking through my notes here, there was his game against Mississippi State where there's some concepts in the middle of the field where either his eyes aren't there or he's not looking at it or he's not seeing it. It's intermittent. There are other shorter quarterbacks that I've studied where that's constant. You know, when he does throw over the middle He's usually very successful. Got a pretty good completion percentage attacked over the middle. Um, I love the mental side of his game, working through reads, working through concepts. I think he's a very good quarterback prospect. He's not my, I, I like somebody a little bit more, but if you're going to tell me at the end of the day that he's your QB1, I get it. Like he's very good.
0: Yeah, man. And I personally, it's, I guess it's a reason I haven't, put out my quarterback rankings yet because I'm, I'm still struggling to figure out what I'm going to do at QB1. Well,
1: it, it, the reason I understand that is unlike other years where it's clear, like who's QB1, or at least there's a consensus idea. This class is such where the guys at the top, Stroud, Young, Richardson, even Levis, like you're going to tell me one of those guys is your QB1. I can – I can almost understand it. I can see a case for it, particularly the first three. Levis is a, you know, he's my QB four. If you're going to tell me he's one, oh, okay, I wouldn't go there, but okay. So it, I can understand why people might be like, I don't know who my QB one is yet. It makes sense. Like it's a, it's four good quarterback prospects.
0: So I mean, I guess you and I stand on the same, but same level with our QB four. With Will Levis, Will Levis, I honestly have him there at QB four as well, and I was watching a little bit of him today, and oh, see, when you when you it's hard watching Will because when you watch his twenty twenty two tape, it's hard to come away feeling exciting about the quarterback that you're gonna get. Yeah, it's it's a lot of spotty accuracy a lot of feeling like he's playing, trying to play hero ball a lot of the time versus I had to – today I stopped myself and stopped basically doing what I've been doing all draft season and critiquing his 2022 film and went back to what I did kind of like before the year and was watching some of his previous film. And I went back to the 2021 film, and it was – he seemed a lot more decisive in 2021. He he, His feeling – and maybe it's the fact that he had four different offensive coordinators in four years. Yeah. I mean, the, the, going from, I, I think his name is Leon, I could be wrong, but going from Leon to Scangarello is, it it, it it wasn't the best, but seeing him operate in the offense in 2021, it was easy to say that he he operated with Leon in an offense that came from the Los Angeles Rams, pro-style offense, I mean still operating in a pro-style yeah. offense, but something a lot of things that simplified life on the quarterback. We speak in volumes about how Kyle Shanahan system is quarterback friendly. So it is it's it it made sense to see how successful he was. But I, how what I viewed it was more so I mean the offensive line was never really good at Kentucky him, yeah. So he had to struggle in that area. But dealing with the fact Chris Rodriguez was made for four games, Wanda Robinson, first round pick. I mean it I feel like it didn't really help him much, the talent drop off he had to play with between this year and last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he went through some upheaval, both the talent drop off, you know, Robinson Gooden drafted in the first round, yet again, a new offensive coordinator. There's a lot of upheaval. You wonder should he have come out last year, right? Like, if he comes out last year, he's probably QB1, probably goes in the first round even if he's just QB2 after Kenny Pickett. Now he's on all likelihood QB four. One of the frustrating things with me is sort of, and it's more this year's film, sort of like a situational awareness where moments where it's just like, you gotta be better here. I mean, the way that that game ended against Mississippi where, you know, you're down three with under a minute to go, you run double moves and he's, you know, sitting there waiting on them. It's a slow development play and he gets a sort of strip sack and they lose. Like you got to, I have a problem with the play call, too, in that situation because you're in plus territory. You're at the plus 12. Like, I don't know what you're doing in that situation, but he's going to be better there to get the ball out, know that you can't give up a strip sack and lose the game that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are some problems there that, you know, with, with more consistency and coaching around him will probably get sorted out. But then, you look, like his game against LSU last year, I thought, was very impressive. Shows good pocket moving, eyes downfield you know, throw it into double coverage with an incredible arm talent and put it where it needs to be, Manipulated defenders with his eyes. Like you said, Raquel, looked a lot more comfortable in 21. And I think what an NFL team is going to do is they're going to see that. They're going to see the drop-off that happened and just tell themselves, look, get him into our system get him into our coaching, get him with our talent around him. We'll get the 21 version of Will Levis. We won't get the 22 version where he's behind a battered offensive line. He's lost some talent around him. He's getting beat up as well. I I think he still comes off the board in the early half of the first round, and I I think he could be good. It's just he's got more to go. He's got a more longer road to go than the other three guys that are going to come off the board ahead of him.
0: Yeah, man, and like you said, I went back to the, the LSU game, and I, don't, I, I can't quite remember what the concept was. Oh, I do. I do. They, they were in the red zone, and they they ran kind of like this run concept with the offensive line. They were pulling right, and he had two, a split backfield, and he ran basically the, the one where I received one. I mean, the running back on his right side ran a wheel route out of the backfield going the same direction as the run concept. And just seeing throws like that where he has time, he has patience, he has beautiful touch on the football. Yeah. Can you see him in games, like you said, against Ole Miss, where he kind of feels like his clock is speeded. I don't know if he feels like the clock is speeded up or he don't necessarily trust the talent. He has that wide receiver where it's like, hey, brother, can you, like, throw the ball on time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're exactly right. Like – you know, I think the LSU game for 21 is a great example of what he could do well. I think the Mississippi game is a game to watch where you see some mistakes. Interestingly enough, Missouri from this year, you see both where it's like, yeah, he's doing some good things really well. And then it sort of falls apart in the middle of the game. And then he starts to remember how to use his eyes, how to use, you know, his feet, how to tie it all together. Um, you know, so a very sort of up and down prospect, but the talent is there and, you know, he's going to be a, get a benefit of what I like to call coach him up itis. And I know Dan's used that phrase as well, where an NFL staff is going to think like we can fix him, We can get him to where he needs to be because NFL coaches will believe that, you know, they can coach anybody and get them to where they need to be. So I think he'll get a benefit from that as well.
0: Yeah, man. I I feel like with with Will, I mean, I say this about a lot of prospects, but Landon Spat will play a predominant role with him. yeah he's probably
1: the most dependent on it yeah like out of the four i think Uh... i mean maybe you can make a case for richardson being pretty landed spot specific i mean if he lands in indianapolis i think he'll be great um you know interestingly enough before carolina came up and they were sitting at nine i thought hey if if levis lands there that's gonna work like because of everything they've put around you know Jim Caldwell and do stay all the talent they've been I mean, coaching staff talent they've put around the quarterback position. He's probably not going one, one, so landed spot will be a bit more critical. But yeah, out of the four, he's I, I think he's the most landed spot dependent. You know, Stroud and Young, I think, are going to be fine wherever they end up. Richardson, I think, you know, because of the uniqueness of his situation, probably dependent too. But I think Levis a bit more.
0: Yeah, man, kind of like what you said with about Carolina. I was kind of disappointed, for lack of a better term, that they was the team who moved up. At the same breath, I, I can understand, given the, given what I know about Dave Tepper and his lack of patience, his yeah. generosity of, hey, if I want this, I will go get it, historically. Yeah. And what happened to Frank Wright in his time in Indianapolis is just not having a quarterback. I can understand why they want to make the They just
1: want to get their guy. I, I mean yeah. – And they've got that first overall pick. They're going to make sure that they get the guy they like the most. This idea that they're going to trade out, no. They're going to stay there. They're going to draft their guy.
0: It just kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because, I mean, of course, as an Eagles fan, I think that Frank Reich learned something in that first season with Carson Wentz. Well, the first two seasons with Carson Wentz. And just that, I think often about that quarterback, not well, I guess you'd call it the quarterback one, but the, the brain trust of that team where how they had Frank Wright, of course, former quarterback, John yep. D. Filippo, former quarterback, Doug yep. Peterson, former quarterback. And yep. it felt like they, they really invested into the quarterback position where it was going to be hard for Carson to fail as long as those that brain trust was there. Yep. And, it and they've done something like they similar, right? similar, right? Yep.
1: You know, with McCown, Parks Frazier, who was a quarterback in college, Um, you know, obviously Caldwell and his years of experience, you had too Staley in the room. Like they've put a lot of coaching talent around the quarterback position where whoever they draft, I think, and I've been saying this on shows, people will ask who's going to be the most successful. I keep saying whoever Carolina drafts, like, I I think they're going to be in a position to be successful.
0: Definitely, man, but I mean, we don't kind of tease the round on Anthony Richardson, man, I I guess. We could touch on him here, where I I I tweeted about him last night, and I said watching Anthony Richardson's tape is like watching a beautiful nightmare. It's like so so many times you like yes yes this is the first overall pick in this class, and then you look up ten minutes later and it's like oh my goodness he's stressing me out. I want to pull my hair out. What's going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's 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 up and down, but the promise is so much. The potential is so much. And, you know, being in Indianapolis, being in Lucas Oil during his combine workout, you could literally feel the conversation change, like, in the span of two hours. Um, you know, the there's work to be done, obviously. Like, right? the completion percentage, the, the mechanics, the inconsistency between upper body and lower body, like ball placement, all that stuff like There's stuff that has to be done, but I think that what gives him a chance of it working out for him is that explosiveness as an athlete, number one, because that explosiveness as an athlete translates to torque and the throw in motion translates to velocity as a passer, which means he can hold the ball on to a half second longer in the pocket and still get the ball where it needs to be when it needs to be there. And the thing that gives me hope that it comes together they're not always right, but his eyes, for the most part, tend to be where they need to be. It's mm-hmm. the feet that are a little bit slow and sort of tied it all together. But the fact that his eyes tend to be right makes me think that the mental side is there. It's just reps and consistency and and tying it all together that has to sort of happen next. And so I would understand if a team, like, interesting enough, talking to some people at Lucas Oil, Benjamin Solak, had the point that, like, look, if you're a safe general manager and you have the opportunity to draft him, just draft him. Like, because you can take that big swing and have some time to get it to work out. If you're in the hot seat, then maybe Shroud or Young are probably the way you go, you know, because they don't have as they're, – they're more developed, they're more – you know, checking the boxes at the quarterback position. It's not as much work that needs to be done. And so if you feel like you just got to make sure you get at least a ground rule double out of this pick, there you go. If you want to take that big swing on a home run, knowing that it might not work out. Richardson.
0: Definitely, man. It's like you, you actually say more than a few things that, that piqued my interest. Cause I, I look back at was what I would consider basically my skyline reporter of AR and it's, you say he was on time. Well, his ass. I do. I would like to think his ass are pretty good, general. Yeah. Generally. At the same time, I would like his processing to speed up some. Like there were so many times. There was, there was one time. I can't remember the game specifically. I don't, I'm not sure if I have it written down. Wouldn't be surprising if it was Kentucky because I had a lot of notes from that Kentucky game. But it was one game where they, they had a concept drawn up to the right, basically to the right side where it was a smash concept. Coming at, as matter of fact, this wasn't what I was going for, but I can use this example too, but he had a smash concept going to the right side and he had basically a high low coming to the middle of the field on the opposite side. Everything's coming to the right hand side of the field, basically. And, I feel like he doesn't get through his progress. Well, he gets through his progressions on time, but when he doesn't see anything, he doesn't do a good enough job getting back around. And at that point, he tries to rely on his athleticism. And in the, in the situation that I'm talking about, he ended up throwing an interception unnecessarily because he, he basically put himself out of position when he scrambled to the left. Like I said, everything was going to the right. So now you you have no receiver to throw to. The defenders start to crash down on you, and now you you just throwing the ball to get away, get it away from you.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering and, if yeah. I, I'm looking at my notes. I'm wondering if it's just it's you know I I do like color coding. It's just plain bright red, and it's a, a smash to the right. He's got like double dig, like drive to the left. And he just throws it right to the defender. And I have mm-hmm. here, you know, it's highlighted red. and It's in my notes. Like maybe it feels like a bit of a heat check throw here. Probably has that corner out if he comes back to it because it's, a, you know, smash concept and he doesn't. And, yeah, I mean, that's an example, Mark of him like not getting through reads quickly enough. I mean, all quarterbacks kind of have to get better at that as you go from college to the NFL. Uh, that's something he's certainly going to have to improve on. Um, you know, I, I think, like you said, like the eyes – you know, are generally right. All these guys are going to get faster. He's going to get a lot faster. The athleticism, the explosiveness, the arm talent will help him, Mm -hmm. you know, because I often think of his rookie year, Josh Allen's rookie year. He was throwing an out route, right hash mark, left sideline, and he stared it down for like two and a half seconds, waited till the last minute, and still got it on the receiver when it needed to be there because of that arm talent. That's going to be a nice – that Richardson can lean on mm-hmm. as he sort of figures out. Okay, these are my reads. This is where these are where my eyes have to go on this concept. One, two, three, four. Check down. In his case, it might be one, two. I'm going to take off. Rely on that athleticism to get him out of some situations as he develops the rest of his game, particularly working through reads faster.
0: So another thing I wanted to touch on about Anthony about which you is more so mechanically and i know famously we've spoken multiple times before and i can never remember i can never forget you saying basically if it ain't broke don't fix it it's not a problem until it's a problem
1: yeah Me- mechanics don't matter till they matter like yeah. and what i mean by that is look if the ball is getting where it needs to be what it needs to be there i don't care how you do it and, and i first said this with Mahomes when people were saying all oh, his mechanics are a mess it'll never work in the end i i'm like He's putting the football where it needs to be. I don't care how it looks. Like, you don't get style points in the NFL. But if you're Sam Darnold and the ball is getting there late because of your dip and loop in the throw motion, that's when mechanics can be a problem. With Richardson, you know, he definitely needs to sort of tighten things up a bit and clean things up, particularly in the lower body, because I do think some of the ball placement issues are with the lower body more than anything else.
0: Certainly, man. Certainly. Like, I I mean, to an extent of the upper half, I don't think there are many problems with his upper half. There is this one thing that he does when he's trying to throw the ball down the field where I feel like he becomes much of an arm throw instead of a technique throw. And he kind of brings the ball down to his hip.
1: Yeah, it's like down here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But other than that, the only thing I would say, the the critique that I could give him and – Honestly, I had to learn this from Jalen Hurts because it was something I saw different between him between last year and this year, is I would prefer for him to – he plays very even with his feet upon the snap. I would love for him to play with his left foot, laid forward. So, I mean, of course, it seems like a lot of quarterbacks do that because they're right-handed. They get the release easier yep. to get in the form. Where I think a lot of the, the hip thorn that we were just talking about comes from him trying to force himself into position mechanically by trying to line up evenly. It'd be nice for him to give himself that advantage, but I'm pretty sure if he can work with somebody once he gets into the league, they'll get that cleaned up. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like you said, when he's trying to drive it downfield, and interestingly enough, like his vertical throws at the combine, you could see him tightening it up already. And that was one of the things that really impressed me about Hurts during his pre-draft process, because if you think back to his throw motion at Alabama and Oklahoma, it was a bit more of a long drawback and he really started to tighten it up through the senior bowl and into the combine. I think Richardson started to do that as well in the upper half. Lower half is, again, like you said, there's some things that he needs to clean up. I think think he just needs reps. Like this idea that he has to sit for two years. No, do not sit him for two years. Like, you know, let him play as a rookie.
0: Yeah, like that's, that's all I kept saying when I was watching him. Like I can understand why a team would say, Hey, let him learn behind this guy, especially given the formula recently. Most of the successful quarterbacks have sat for a year. But the problem with him is, I see a lot of his mistakes that he just hasn't played football. Yeah. I think I I got listed. He had had put it down earlier. What was it? 16 career starts. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 13. There are
1: some quarterbacks where, like, yeah, you know, you need to sit and watch and learn. And, there are other quarterbacks where it's like what you need to learn, you're not going to learn holding a clipboard. You need to be out there and play it. And I'd put Richardson in that category.
0: Definitely, man. So to who I would consider, I think maybe Richardson is probably the most polarizing quarterback in this play it's based on what we talked about. But this guy here is probably a close second, man. And, I mean, those who know me, they know I'm a, a, a diehard Ohio State fan. So I've I've watched every snap of his career. I feel like I have him figured out to a T, and he's one of the he's one of the hardest evaluations for me, especially when you got to take take the fandom away from the the prospect and. Oh, man. It feels like every time I watch C.J. Stroud play football, he only got better and better. From his first snap against Minnesota as a freshman, or well, his first game started, I wouldn't call it a freshman, but to the very last snap he took against Georgia, he he just continued to get better and better. And It's like... Oh, my... I haven't... I, I've struggled to think about one, but I just... Haven't found many quarterbacks that have worth the, the level of ball placement. That's him. He elite level. I mean, and- Look,
1: for me, Stroud is the easiest evaluation of them all. Like he's QB one. Like that's where I am on him because the main job as a quarterback is to put the football where it needs to be when it needs to be there, and he does that at such a high level. I mean, I just got done doing a show breaking down corners. And I was talking about DJ Turner. And you probably remember the back shoulder throw to Harrison along the left sideline in that Ohio State Michigan game. Turner he was, no, there, there was great coverage. On him. There was,
0: he was you could, he had no business. Catching on him. That ball.
1: There was, Harrison had no business making that catch. The only way he did is because Shroud could not have put it in a better spot if he walked downfield and handed it to him. And he does that on every route every throw puts the football where, and, you know, not that what a guy says at the combine is to be on end all, but him talking about his youth football coach, telling him how to be a pocket quarterback and you got to be a pocket quarterback, mm-hmm. his high school coach talking about, look, if you don't put the bubble screen, the swing screen to the right hip, the right shoulder, you're doing pushups. Like he said it himself. I'm a ball placement specialist. He's so good at it. Every.
0: I'm sorry, if I could pitch in a little while you sit on what you're saying. It just, I'm just going through his, his whole scouting process was beautiful for me. Again, as an Ohio State fan, one, but just his whole story itself in its own is a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah. And i, I seen a lot of it, – it was crazy. I mean, he has the situation with his whole dad. We don't have to touch on that. But I remember a quote of him saying how, his coach kept saying, stay in the pocket, throw the ball. And his dad was like, you need to run. You need to run. And he was like, it, 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 1A, it was clear who he listened to. But the, the thing that stands out the most about me is, I mean, for, to, for lack of a better term, he, he didn't have the pleasure, the some of the leeway, for lack of a better term. I can't figure out a better word to put it that some of, the, some of these other quarterbacks have. I mean, you got guys like Bryce Young going to Mater Deer, basically the the top school in California in terms yep. of football. And he he said he didn't have access to all the quarterbacks, coaches, and all of the things that some of these peers had. And he literally learned all the things he learned just sitting there watching YouTube clips of Drew Brees. And, like, when he said that, I'm like, you know what, the fact that you you – have so much emphasis on ball placement it makes sense it, it yep. all makes sense right there
1: <clears throat> no i mean he's he i think he's a special prospect and you know it was interesting because you know he talked a lot about how you know i, I didn't run and maybe i should have run more and it, it was it was obviously like you said marco good for him to have that closing argument which was oh You've all spent the past year and a half saying, I can't make plays outside the pocket. I can't make plays off structure. I can't do this, that, or the other thing. I'm going to do it against Georgia in the college football playoff. I'm going to do it against Jalen Carter in the college football playoff. And But as he said, look, you see on my film, tough third down runs, tough fourth down runs. Mm-hmm. He's an athletic kid. And interestingly right. enough, like the pick six he threw against Michigan State this year where – you know, there's a little bit of miscommunication. You want to see somebody move quickly? Watch him try to track that down. Watch him try to – watch him sprint on a dime and close the gap. He doesn't get there. He can move better than he's been given credit for. And so, like, I I don't see a, a, a problem with him. Like, he, he's my favorite in this class.
0: See, and again, like I said a second ago, like, he – like, he was – the quarterback I waited last to watch because again, I feel like I watched every snap of his career. So going back to watch, even just before I went back to watch, this was my whole take on CJ Stroud from last year to this year. It was always, I, I kept the same energy. It was more so it's not that he can't run. He can run. It's all about a willingness. Willingness is the term that I continued and continued and continued to use with him. Because if you watch CJ Stroud, like he said, he got tough third down runs. But if you watched Ohio State games last year, as the season continued to get later and later, he was more and more willing to run. He, yep. he was they they used him on zone reads and things of that nature. So it was like, oh, okay, he can do it. And then this season started, and I mean. It makes sense. Look at the receiving core he expected to play with. And look at the receiving core he's always played with. I wouldn't run either. I and I and he I talked
1: would. about that. He said, look, I've got Jason. I've got Harrison. I've got these great wide receivers around me. If they're open, I don't throw them the ball because I'm running with it. I'm going to hear about it. Like My job is to get them the football and let them do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was just such a self-awareness about the entire conversation about whether he should run more or not that really sort of impressed me. And so, you know, he's, again, like, I, I, it's hard. Like, are there little things that he could do here or there or mistakes that he made that, yeah, you can say that about any quarterback. I came away so impressed with watching him, not just for the draft, but over the past two years, like, I, I think the world of him is a prospect.
0: Definitely, man. That's the, that's the whole conversation I sit here and have with myself when that comes down to the two guys. I mean, As good as all of the guys that we sat here and talked about are, it comes down to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And, I mean, yeah, like I said, when I say at the top of the the pod, I mean, when I watch Bryce Young, I feel like he's the perfect quarterback prospect. But when I put that in my notes, what I didn't say when I said it is for the modern-day quarterback. What he can do out of structure – is so special. Like again, how I had it in my notes is he—he's so out of structure, but he's in structure even when he's out of structure. Yeah. Like he—he he has a, a terrific understanding of what's going on around him, who's supposed to be where, why, when, all of that. But then when you watch C.J. Stroud, and as I said about the ball placement and all the things of that nature, he plays the quarterback position like it's supposed to be played. And yeah, I hear the the Jared Goff comps and all that because you you, you want to know what he can do out of structure. But, I mean, out of structure is cool because, again, again, like I said, how the modern-day quarterback has become a thing. But what can he do when you ask him to drop back three steps and throw the ball?
1: Yeah. If
0: he's missing receivers, he's not putting the ball where it's supposed to be. Like, at that point, we're having a completely different conversation about the prospect. Cash, yeah. all that. It's more so well, what can you do when the play breaks down? And we're figured out a, that out along the line. He'll figure it out along.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, look,
0: down, it's hard, man.
1: It's hard. And it, That's why I said, like, particularly when it comes down to Stroud and Yun. Like, if you're gonna sit here and tell me Yun's your guy, okay. Like, he's he's a great prospect. I, I get it. I prefer Stroud. Um, you know, I, I think when it's third and seven and you're gonna make a stick throw from the pocket. Like, I'm trusting Stroud in that in that situation. Now, maybe if you're telling me that, you know, you need somebody that's going to give you the splash play, like maybe, yeah, Young has the advantage there. But, you know, I, I think you're still going to be able to, like, make that throw from the pocket. You're still going to be able to, like, read things out. I think Stroud does that at such a high level. He's my preference. Like I said, if somebody tells me that they prefer Young, I get it.
0: Definitely, man. I like to think we're we close to the same page. Like I said, I, I have to figure out what I'm gonna have to do about the position. Just based on the, the completely different way those two play the position. Yeah. But that's 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 the only spectrum of it. But we've reached a point where there are a bunch of guys who I mean, as the as the, the show is called, boom a bus. And there are a lot of guys who are very appealing. If you had to give the guys a sleeper before I got you out of here, who would it be? I know me personally, there's a guy I have in mind. And I was always happy to see that PFF, if anybody showed him some love, I never saw anyone else giving him the love that I thought he deserved. But Tanner McKee has been my guy through the entire process because he was very interesting to me. I mean, just giving a little prerequisite on him. I'm pretty sure you know this, but for the people who don't, he was the number three recruit in the class, in the quarterback class of Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So yeah. he, he was definitely that one of them guys now. I'm pretty sure you guys are wondering that, that was, those guys are in the league. What's going on? Like, why, is he, why isn't he there? Why are we talking about him as a quarterback? But, I mean, I think it was some recruit. I, I had to go back to my notes. I don't actually have those notes on my hand with me, but he went on some type of retreat I think it was a uh, religious related and that kind of took off What a year or two of his career.
1: Yep,
0: came back to Stanford and kind of basically won his job and oh, up and down to say the least. But the talent is there, the, the talent is certainly there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a very talented quarterback. Um, you know, I what I've said about him in the past is if this was 2005, he's probably QB1, you know, because, you know, six six, good arm, doesn't have the mobility that some of the other guys do. And I think, you know, because of, like you said, in the conversation we just had about Bryce Young and the way the game is trending, the off structure, the outside the pocket, that seems to be more of an emphasis than it was. Like back, you know, say Joe Flacco's time, this is Joe Flacco. Like the, the, there's that element to his game where – you know, he might have been QB1 in a different era. I think he's interesting. The guy that I'm really sort of intrigued by the more I watch him and from seeing him up close at the combine is DTR, Dory Thompson Robinson from oh, UCLA. Man. I love um DTR. velocity, athleticism, obviously an explosive athlete, explosive with the football in his hands as a runner. But what was really interesting was the number mm-hmm. of time and rhythm and anticipation throws he made that Chip Kelly offense. You know, it didn't ask a ton from a full field read perspective, but he had a lot of, like, time and rhythm throws. He had a throw against Arizona State where they spit into quarters and he throws the dig route in the middle of the field, time and rhythm anticipation before he clears the hook defender. Just a great read, great throw. I think as you start getting into that, like, early day three range when you're like, like, say Seattle. Say they don't draft a quarterback in the first round. And they decide to wait. I'd love him early on day three, like to learn for a year or two. Like I, I, I'm really intrigued by DTR.
0: I'm certainly intrigued by DTR. DTR. I've been a big DTR fan since his high school days, honestly. And I mean, of course, as an Eagles fan, (laughs) I've always followed Chip Kelly. So when I seen he committed to UCLA, it was oh,
1: honestly, Chip might got his guy. Philly's and a good landing spot for him.
0: We've I've spoken about that in volumes. I got uh an episode a couple spots back talking with my guy D Birds. We that was a cornerback episode, but we definitely mentioned hey DTR, Philadelphia, excellent landing spot. But just yeah. the DTR man, like how I put it in my scouting report of DTR is and this is by no means any disrespect to him. It's just I kind of love the I see a lot of similarities and a lot of prospects through different layers, basically. Like there was a class, a couple years back, the Jeremy Chin class, where it was Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, yeah. Kayvon Wallace, and I viewed all of them as a like similar light. Now, so of course, there's a talent gap, for lack of a better term, but all in a similar light in terms of skill set. And when I view it, it's, it's how I see this, it's more so it's like Justin Fields' Jalen Hurts, DTR. Now, of course, th- this isn't to say that Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts now, but it turns out where they were. When where they, they were was prospects. Yeah, there. yeah. And just I- I've always viewed DTR as how I said the great value Jalen Hurts. He has all the work ethic in the world. There is nothing in this world he would not work for. It- it's just, it's of there at the level that you would want it to be, In some areas, in some areas not not so much, but there isn't, like, the you watch him for all of his snaps through all four years he was there. He he always became a better quarterback through all four years, leading up to this year where I like to think this year was more like a symphony for him where it was, hey, this is the best version of me. I mean, of course, you can always improve once you get to the next level, but this is the best version of me. This is what I bring to the table, and what he brought to the table for that UCLA team, I feel like it's going to be hard for the next quarterback to fulfill more yeah. so because of his experience, not necessarily because of the talent thing, but right. because he's been there before. It was so many games that day one as a team that, Hey, I've been here before. He said before he had a, a few games, I think Utah USC being two of the few that he circled before the season. Like, Hey, Y'all beat me. I don't have wins against y'all in my career. I need to beat you. And, and, and that Utah
1: game this year was one of my favorite games of his.
0: hmm So, I, I, I absolutely love the DTR selection, man. For those of you who haven't got an eye on him, I suggest you do. Yeah,
1: I'm, I, like I said, once you get into that fourth round range, sure, draft him. We appreciate your
0: time, Mark, man. We absolutely love having you on, man. I've, anytime, anytime you want to be on, you're more than welcome to be here, man. Friend of the well, pod.
1: well, I appreciate the invite. Let's do it again soon, my man.
0: Definitely will do. Definitely will do, brother. Until then, this is Boom or Bust, and this is The Drag Race.